Canucks drop another game. This time against the Flyers, they lose a multi-goal lead. Dropped this decision, have now lost two games in a row. Lost the game against the Oilers after having a lead as well. And this is the Canuck Central Post Game Show on Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Satyar Shaw with Bick Nazar. We are going to welcome in Brandon Bassler and David Jones into the conversation, calling the game tonight between the Canucks and Flyers. Phone boards are open 604 280 or toll free 1 275 0650. You can also hit us up on our Dunbar Lumber Text Inbox 650 650. And, and right before we bring the guy, in this is something that Yannick talked about when he was on the radio station on Friday this team has continually found ways to lose games that was his big takeaway after the game against the Edmonton Oilers this is something they did last year and years before and at some point this is who you are and you had hoped they would overcome this early in the season but the same thing happened in back-to-back games Vic yeah it was three goals the other day against Connor McDavid it's two goals tonight against uh, a lackluster Philadelphia Flyers team that does not have a lot of expectations, which, by the way, someone's texted the end. They blew a lead against an AHL team. No Ryan Ellis, we know. No Sean, Sean Couturier. No Cam Atkinson. No Rasmus Ristolainen. No Owen Tippett. There's a lot of bodies missing as well for the Philadelphia Flyers. Yeah. And give them credit. We, we, we talked about it pregame. They still have the, uh, uh, the term I think I used was stench of belief, early season belief. Uh, they're now 2-0, and and they're competing. You know what you didn't see tonight? Compete from the Vancouver Canucks, and it manifests in so many different ways. A, how do you forecheck, all that sort of stuff, but how do you have discipline? Mm-hmm. Uh, not just with penalties, but managing the puck. It They were sloppy. Yeah, it and was a sloppy game. That's why you let teams back into it. And a lot of their leaders making sloppy and, plays. And by the way, even the two-goal lead was pretty much against the run of play, through the first period, they had yeah. four shots. And we talked about the first period. They didn't play well enough, and they did come come away, away with the lead, but c- couldn't take control of the game. Uh, let's welcome in Brendan Bassler and David Jones into the conversation. And and David, uh, we enjoyed hearing your call of this game. Too bad it, w- it wasn't a better result for the Canucks. What did you make of the way the Canucks couldn't hold on to the lead after being fortunate to be up 2 nothing after the first period? Yeah, it's an unfortunate game. I, you know, I like to separate the two, the Edmonton game and this one. I think this one was just... Uh, you know, like you said, just puck management, you know, I thought they looked real sluggish. And I think when you turn over the puck and you're going back the other way over and over, you're going to tire yourselves out. And it just looked like a slow game. And I think that was a, you know, a big factor. Um, I think the Edmonton game, I, I thought they were a different team. You know, I think that they blew that one. It became a special teams battle tonight. Um, very different team. Um, you know, it's unfortunate. You, you've, despite how poorly you've played, you have a chance to take away some points, in the, you know, with six minutes left in the third. Um, and they didn't get it done. So, yeah, they're in a bit of a hole to start the season. Um, but, you know, I think this is one that's going to sting. Yeah, and it is another game where we're going to come out of this talking about the special teams, guys, and not that the Flyers were, you know, like the Oilers were on Wednesday in terms of capitalizing on their opportunities, but they had a power play goal and a shorthanded goal. Canucks will go 0 for 5 on the power play tonight. They're 1 for 13 to start the season, and we know the way this team is. We know the struggles they have transitioning the puck, managing the puck at even strength. Their power play has to be a difference maker for them. It's what has allowed them, you know, especially last season, allowed them to get back into the playoff fight is their power play was top 10 in the league. And it has looked completely dismal to start this season, to be perfectly honest. 
Hey, David, you know, game one, we saw there's so many whistles and there, were, there wasn't a lot of flow to the game. So, you know, it, it's tough to just get into the regular, you know, your, your feet moving. This one, it felt like you mentioned that they, they were going backwards so many times and there wasn't as much flow to ch- try to generate any sort of speed for the Canucks. And we know they're not necessarily always phys- or like physically fast team, but to, to generate speed either on the forecheck and create those transition chances, it, it just felt like they were constantly stagnant this game. Yeah, I think, you know, you look at the Edmonton team, team, even watching on TV with McDavid and Dreisaitl and those guys, they, they're buzzing out there. And I thought the Canucks matched that in the first two periods of that game. And tonight, I don't know if it's a case of maybe playing down to the Philadelphia level, but it was sloppy on both ends. They're just, you know, the pucks were bouncing everywhere. It was like ping pong in the neutral zone. And it, that, that's just, you know, not the way that the Canucks can play. they got to manage the puck a lot better. Even some of their top players, you know, coming in over the line, five feet over the blue line and, kind of kicking it out to the side to the, one of their players and just turnovers in the middle of the ice. Um, it was, uh, you know, for the whole 60 minutes, it was a pretty sloppy game. Yeah, those turnovers will kill you, especially in those areas on the ice. If you turn it over at the attacking blue line, you're gifting the other team an opportunity to counterattack. And we talked about how if the Canucks could establish their forecheck, they could force the Flyers into some of those kinds of turnovers that would allow them to create offense. But uh, it just wasn't to be this afternoon, guys. No, it wasn't. And I mean, we can say it's early in the season and all those sort of things, but it is incumbent for this team to get off to a good start. And now it puts even more pressure on a back-to-back coming up. And David, you know, having been a former player too, and you've been in these situations before, a lot of expectations heading into a season, you don't get off to a good start. What type of mindset do the guys have to have going into a back-to-back situation coming up on Monday? Yeah, it's t- it's it's tough. I was talking to Batcher about that earlier. You, you know, it's ni- sometimes it's nice to start on the road because you can build some momentum as a team. You're spending a lot of time flying out, hotels, dinners. But on the flip side, um, you know, you got to grab some points on the road here, and it's not going to get any easier as the as the road trip progresses. Teams are starting to get their feet underneath them. Um, you know, and and you don't want to come come back to Vancouver after you know the four or five game road trip here with uh, not much to show for it. That's a huge hole, and that puts a lot of pressure on you when you come back in front of your home crowd because they're going to be watching you on the road. And if things aren't going well, um, you know they'll turn on you quickly here. Well, and it puts a lot of pressure on them for the rest of the trip because they've got three games in four nights starting on Monday, and you've got to win them all if you want to have a winning road trip coming home. Now. You know, whether that was reasonable to expect for this group heading out on this trip, you know, we could debate that. But this game against Philly, a team that most people don't expect to do much this year, these are the games you got to win. These are the, the games against the teams that you hope will be below you in the standings that you have to take advantage of. And, you know, put that aside, especially the fact that you led in both of these games and you can't even find a way to get a single point. It's It's concerning. But at the same time, we do have to have some perspective and say it's two games to start the year. They've got time to work through it. Um, but I think you guys will probably get a lot of concerned text messages on the Dunbar Lumber text line tonight on the post game show because Canuck fans are scared of what happened in the first quarter of the season last year. And they don't want to see that happen again where this team plays in a way that they're out of the playoff race before Christmas. So um, I'm sure Bruce Boudreaux will be pretty honest in his post game remarks coming up here shortly. And you know, whether they practice tomorrow or not, I guess we'll see. They've got a three and four coming up, but pressure starts to, to ramp up on them now, and, and they've got to answer the bell here the rest of the way on this road trip. Curious uh, your guys' opinion uh, on this as well, because it, it wasn't just like one of the star players that struggled today. There's so much puck management. We talked about it. JT Miller, obviously, the focus of a lot of it. Horvat was stood up on a couple of zone entries. But what's interesting, too, um, 
Vasily Podkolzin took 13 shifts. Connor Garland took 15. Those top players just kept getting rolled out despite some issues, and some power plays plays a role into this. But, you know, the, the guys that you look at and say, hey, they were kind of going, were Garland, were Podkolzin, they link up on a goal, but they didn't get a lot of chances to go over the boards. Is that is that an early season thing of say, hey, we're still going to keep trusting our stars, David, or is that just uh, the way the game kind of shakes out? Yeah, that, I mean, that's a good good point. I think – you know, at some point, you you really have to you have to rely on your studs. You know, that's the, that's why you pay them. That's why they get the big contracts. So, you know, you can send a message here or there, but those guys are going to be the ones that are going to get us to the playoffs. Um, you know, to the next level. So, you know, you can kind of minimize their ice time here or there, but you really you rely on them. So, it really, I think in this game especially, um, you know, I think Garland and Pod Colden had had mm-hmm. spots of of good play but I think as a whole there wasn't maybe enough of that so it's like if everyone's you know having a mediocre game let's sort of you know everyone's on the same playing field let's put put our studs out and uh, let's see what we can do Uh, but that said guys Boudreaux did tweak his top power play unit a couple times late in the game and I know they were you know subtle tweaks he put Besser back on the top unit at one point Uh, I believe he elevated Pearson to the top unit for one of them like that to me shows that, yeah, he may not be backing off the ice time of his top guys, but he's frustrated with their lack of production and the way they're playing, especially on the man advantage already. And it's only game number two. So, you know, Boudreaux came in last year and for the most part, everything was sunshine and roses. The team turned things around. They played well down the stretch uh, and ultimately didn't get into the playoffs. But starting this year, this way heaps up the pressure on the head coach heaps up the pressure on this group and you know I guess we'll find out how they respond mm-hmm. to some of that added pressure on Monday before we let you guys go uh, a bit of a good news bad news the bad news of course Tucker Pullman left the game and mm-hmm. um, we'll see what the status is he's still being evaluated so it do- I mean it doesn't sound good on the Tucker Pullman front I know some someone of Flyers TV broadcast speculated maybe he went into protocol but we'll see official word on Pullman but uh, I thought the Canucks best player tonight or this afternoon was Cal Burroughs on the back end. And not just because he got a goal and he fought and all that, but he legitimately crushed his matchup tonight. I thought he was really good defensively. He was physical. He was he was really, I thought, confident with the puck after he scored that goal. What a snipe, too, by the way. What does that say about Burroughs' play and how much they have to lean on him if, if Pullman is out for any extended period of time? Yeah, that's great. I think he's, you know, it's nice to see him get rewarded that way and to stand up to Delorier. Like, you know, he he was he did everything he could tonight um, to have a positive impact. Uh, you know, it's a nice local kid. It's a good story. Um, but, you know, frankly, I think, uh, you know, as good as a player he, is, he may become, if we're relying on him to put up the goals, uh, it's going to mm-hmm. be a long season. You know, I think, um, you know, his effort, I think Demko, you know, you can't fault his effort. He's held them in there, but uh, it's going to be a long season if we only have a couple guys going. Well, exactly, David. And, you know, Kyle Burrows being the best Canuck on the ice tonight is good for Kyle Burrows, but it's bad for the Vancouver Canucks because their top players need to be making a difference. And now we'll see how this blue line is going to be tested. You know, there were already questions about the depth of this blue line coming into the year. If Pullman has to miss any time, you're potentially without three of your top six and they're all on the right side, which is legitimately worst-case scenario for this group. So, you know, Burroughs is going to have to step into a bigger role if Pullman's going to miss time, and other guys are going to have to come in and, and try and help out too if indeed, you know, Myers and Dermott and Pullman are all going to miss 
you know, a couple of weeks, let's say, at the very least. Well, the good news is they did just re-sign uh, Kevin Biexo, so maybe he can slide <laughs> in and uh, help these guys out. Yeah, and uh, and Batch, nicely done, barring a phrase from Torts in a game. Torts beat the Canucks, the yeah. team he used to coach. But uh, great stuff, guys. Uh, David, nice chatting with you, and we look forward to doing this with you again down the road. Thanks, guys. My pleasure. Thanks, guys. All right. Uh, that is Batch and David Jones who had the call here. Canucks losing, however, in Philly against the Flyers despite having a two-goal lead. Phone boards are open, 604-280-0650 or toll-free, 1-888-275-0650. And, uh, Bick, before we get to phone boards and more of our takes, the dunbar Lubber text inbox, 650-650, is absolutely on fire this yeah, afternoon. Yeah, went a little uh, silent there uh, talking to uh... – Batch and David Jones did a great job today, making his uh, broadcasting debut a little bit there. Um, yeah, it, it, it's it's buzzing right now, man. <laughs> I'm trying to keep up with the text inbox. Uh, so much coming in, 650-650 right now. Uh, this one, uh, how does a team give up more shorthanded goals than they can sc- score? It's a recipe for disaster. It's like they want to be out of the chase every season so they can play with no pressure. Most fragile group in the NHL. Again, yeah. uh, this one, another blown lead. Fans shouldn't feel more comfortable being down in the second than up. It's an inexcusable loss. I hope there aren't any pucks at practice tomorrow. It's pretty funny. Yeah, no, I, I, I don't, I don't, I don't think so. Harry from Van. Uh, everyone sounds sick. All the everyone sounds sick. All the announcers, players, explains it. Um, listen, the the, the players and the uh, announcers do not interact. Um, <laughs> the times have really changed in that regard, and. Uh, I don't think there's a team flu going on right now, and that's causing this malaise. Well, Shorty told, to told a funny anecdote about uh, being in the elevator with uh, Chase Stillman. Yes. Sorry, Riley Stillman. Riley Stillman. Chase Stillman. I'm like, Chase Stillman. Where'd he go? First round pick. <laughs> Still got the draft on my mind. Yeah, exactly. Uh, this one, Dale and Maple Ridge. We play on the outside and make Carter Hart look like Trechiak, even though he isn't. That's Dale and, Mitchell, uh, yeah. and Maple Ridge. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, I mean, they did make him look pretty good a lot. I mean, the best chance they had was maybe that Bolt Horvat chance late on the power play, and he shot it right in his crest. They got that shot set up, and they didn't make it too easy on him. He made some good saves, but Canucks didn't create enough opportunities, really, in this game, especially on the man advantage. I mean, let alone at even strength, where not a lot happened in this game. Uh, Jeff Rowe texts in and says, a lot like last year, really good stretches of play, but really bad stretches of play. Uh, and this one unsigned, Miller error on all three goals. Um, the worryometer is starting to flicker alive. As well. There's another text coming in here. Uh, Horvat took a lot of grief after the first game. JT's taking a lot of grief after this game. Mm-hmm. And, and honestly, a lot of it is justified. It was way more pronounced, I think, in this yes. game. Now, I do want to talk about the last goal, though, because it's the Konechny goal here. I don't understand what's happening in this D-zone coverage. So you lose a face-off, and, and this is something that will be interesting to kind of work out as the season goes along. And you get a chance to talk to players a bit more often. Is there a, a are there rules to what they do when they lose a D zone face off? If there's some man to man principles, yes. Because what ends up happening here, and I know there's a lot of focus on J T Miller how he handles that puck. Yeah. And look, he, he wears that. It. Yeah. He, he he wears that. Yeah. But you watch that play, both Oliver Ekman Larson and Stillman Riley Stillman are in the high slot on a loose puck at the boards. When Brock Besser is also trying to put pressure, they are in no man's land. Yeah. The two people behind the D-men are actually Pearson and Miller. And the puck happens to go at Miller, and he fumbles the puck. He's responsible for that, I know. But OEL and Stillman are just roaming for yeah. literally no reason at all. I, I don't understand. And to your point, that's one of those things where 
unless you walk it through with a coach and they talk with yeah. their, talk to you through what their principles are, it's hard to understand. It seems like they don't know what they're doing. But to your point, if they're supposed to do that, then it's just a bad luck breakdown that happens because the stick bounces over JT Miller's, uh, the puck bounces over JT Miller's stick. And he's got to make a better play. And the thing is, if he wasn't making some lazy plays all game, you'd be like, okay, it, you it can happens. forgive one. But because he's made a lot of bad plays, he seems a little lackadaisical with the puck. He does that. Well, obviously, it's hard to forgive him for that one. Uh, keep the text coming in, 650-650. We'll get to more of those as the show goes on here. Let's go to the phone board, 604-280-0650 or toll-free, 1-888-275-0650. Uh, let's go to Langley, where Will is on the line. Will, thanks for calling in. Uh, what do you have for us tonight? Will. Hey, can you guys hear me? Yeah, we got you. Yeah, just wondering what you guys make of, uh, I think, going back to the Edmonton game as well. JT Miller has been on ice for all eight goals we've conceded this season. And uh, side note, too, Bo Horvath looked better in this one, in my opinion. But wondering why JT was the one talking to the refs after uh, Hoaglather got high stick there and uh, Bo wasn't over the board. So appreciate your guys' comments on that. Hey, uh, thanks for the phone call. I mean... So some, when it comes to who's talking to the officials on the ice, I, I, Bo wasn't on the ice on that play, I don't Yeah, think. I'll have to review that one. Miller wears an A. So the way yeah. it works is uh, anybody who wears an A usually has the assignment of speaking to the officials on the ice. If JT was on the ice and Bo wasn't on the ice, JT is going to be the one that goes and speaks to the official. So I don't think that's necessarily something a leadership problem as long as the right person is on the ice. You know, like the captain's not going to jump over the boards and go talk to the official so, if JT's on the ice. Just taking a look here, it was the Pedersen, Kuzmenko, Hoaglander line that was out there. Yeah. He takes the penalty, obviously. And then the first penalty killer is JT Miller. I'm just looking at the shift chart right now. So Bo Horvat doesn't get sent out for the PK. No, JT comes fine. out. Exactly. So yeah. the, the guy who's on the ice is JT, and he has an A on his jersey, which means he will be able to go and talk to the official. So that I, I wouldn't read anything into that. Now, on the question of JT Miller being on the ice for all... Eight goals so far. Um, so one, we can cancel out the empty net goal. That's going to happen. He's look a uh, a player who puts up a lot of points in a, a chasing game. Uh, look, I'm not trying to defend JT, but I'm just saying it, it's a nice stat, and we've talked about it that how he's been on the ice for all this. Uh, not every goal is deliberately attributed to him of why they have gone in. No, I mean tonight was way more responsible. Yeah, he had a horrible game tonight. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's just you know, where do you assign the specific blame for each individual yeah. goal? But it hasn't been a good. It hasn't been good. I mean, tonight JT was worse than he was in the first game in against Edmonton. The McDavid goal from last one that we talked about, like that to me is more on Lazar trying to get in front of Drysidel. It's 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 a nice thing to talk about, and it, it's it's more of an anecdote than it is a direct. Uh, evaluation of the player. He has been on the ice for all eight goals. Though. He has. No, he has. It doesn't mean he was at fault for every single one of them, but hey, the correlation is not a great one. Because right. what's he supposed to do in the nurse goal? Like, it's Elias Pettersson throwing it yeah, in I mean, the middle of the ice. He's going to chase it all the way. That's not his yeah. fault. I mean, that, it's not his assignment on that play. Some of them, like we saw tonight, yeah, you can maybe you can put him, put him on him. All right, uh, let's take one more call before we go to break, and we'll take more of your calls and more of your reaction on the text inbox on the other side. Uh, let's go to Paul in Coquitlam, who's on the line. Paul, thanks for calling in. Uh, what's on your mind this afternoon? Oh, lots is on my mind. Yeah. Um, <laughs> obviously, JT Miller had a terrible game, but... Yeah. I'll leave that one alone for now because I'm sure you'll get a lot of callers complaining about that. But I just wanted to talk about Bo Horvat. Um, I specifically, from the beginning of the game, chose to just watch him, focus on him throughout all three periods every time he was on the ice. He was invisible. He, like, he didn't do anything absolutely terrible like, like Miller did, but 
He barely touched the puck. When he did touch the puck, he'd lose it. He made poor play after poor play. Nothing really happened when he was on the ice. Even when there was like a scrum, he would be sort of on the outside, gently massaging the back of one of the uh, opponent's, you know, players. It's like he's not even. He just seems to be completely disengaged. Um, and maybe that's unfair. Maybe you disagree with me, but I mean, I've seen this way too often from him. I know he got 30 goals last season, mm-hmm. but I don't know if I were all vain, you know, when his agent's talking about, you know, wanting 7 million bucks, yeah. uh, for him a season, I, he's not worth it. The best thing they could do is get rid of him now, get something for him. Uh, Hey, thanks for the phone call, Paul. I mean, you know, on the bull Horvat front, Hey, I've been on the, don't give Bo a big contract train for a long time. And you've been on that train for a long time. And this is even before all this talk about, you know, whether this should keep Bo or not. It's going multiple years. Yeah. I mean, you know, I've, I've always said Bo's a nice player, but he's not who people think he is. And I have no interest in paying this guy big money because he's not a big money player. Now, I think what's happened here is that people are so frustrated with Bo that at weird times is coming out, which kind of shows that it's sure. getting to a point now where it's like, okay, well, people don't want to see him get paid a lot of money. And well, there's an the acceptance of are, the norm, and yes. suddenly the norm has changed because you're focusing on what's coming up. You know, what's interesting, too, about the JT Miller conversation, it's like, oh, eight, Mr. $8 million. Well, he's not getting paid $8 million just no, yet. No, next season. That's next season. No, now, hey, look, for sure. Judge him on what's coming. I get it. But this idea of like, wow. That's not a $7 million player. Well, he's not getting paid $7 million right now. No, he's not now. No, but exactly. So you can't hold him accountable for something he's not getting paid yet. Yeah. But you can say, this is not a player I want to invest sure. that much money into, right? And it was funny because the last game we were saying, Bo didn't even have that bad of a game. Like, it wasn't like he had a horrible game. Yeah, the energy wasn't there and he didn't step up or anything, but it wasn't like he wore gold horns on any of the individual plays, which mm-hmm. led to the team losing. Maybe you can say he could have made a better play on the Pedersen pass on the power play, which led to the but short even that angle. felt harsh. It was. But I mean, that's the only thing you can kind of point to. And my point was, yeah, he wasn't good, but it's an odd game for people to be like, he's the guy who cost us the game tonight when they blew a three goal lead. That's the only thing I want to point out. But to what Paul was saying, People want to see more. It. Yeah. Uh, no, I mean, sure, I want to see more too. If if you want, if Bo was going to get seven seven million or get going to get a seven or eight year deal, Vic, I want to see him take a step. Yeah. He hasn't done. He hasn't done anything to prove he should be getting seven million per season. And maybe that's what the market's going to pay him. That's the reality. But you don't have to go with the market. And I wouldn't go with the market. This reminds me a lot of like the Brock Besser conversation we had a few years ago, uh, where you and I would do these post games and people would go after Brock. And it's because people only want to see the goals from Brock Besser. That's fine. He's a winger. He gets labeled as a goal scorer. People only want to see the goals. And we sat here and said, hey, there's real board work being done, tangible playmaking elements to his game, and he's, he's responsible defensively. But people just wanted to see the goals. And now with Bo Horvat, it feels like the same thing. People want to see that constant tenacity. And when you don't see it, and, and as Paul said, it's not like he did anything terrible tonight. Mm-hmm. But when, you, when you're when you focusing specifically on him, are you going to see nights where, yeah, he's kind of going around and not perfect defensively and not excessively skilled to to create a lot of offensive opportunities? It was kind of an again an anonymous night from Paul Horvat. Didn't again not anything bad, but not necessarily anything good. So it's a fair assessment from Paul. But now there's a deliberate focus on him that people want to see something more. That to me, like I've never really seen. There's goals and there mm-hmm. are highlights, but consistent minute to minute to play hasn't always been there for me. And perhaps now we're just getting a, a, a more of a focus on it. Yeah, I mean, 
you know what? It's all fair. All those criticisms about about it is fair. A lot of text coming in, 650, 650. Uh, this one says, the only unfinished business the Canucks have is losing. Unsigned text that just came in. All right. I'm like, hey, fair enough. Listen, the Canucks have uh, found a way to lose the first two games of the season. Uh, the leadership group hasn't come through, and it's fair to say. Look, the jokes per 60 coming to the inbox right now are pretty good. <laughs> I like it. I like it. All right. I keep those coming in. We'll get to more of your reaction on text inbox and your phone calls. Plus, we are going to hear from head coach Bruce Boudreaux. Canucks lose two games in a row, this time in Philly. This is the Canucks Central Post Game Show on Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Now, more of the Kintec Footwear and Orthotics Canucks postgame show. Join the discussion. Text us at 650-650 or call us at 604-280-0650. This is the official home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Myers win the draw shot in the right circle. Get a flyer body in front. I believe it was Konechny. Then he brings it up from behind the goal. He scores! Travis Konechny down low, cuts out to the front of the net and beats Thatcher Demko, and the Flyers have the go-ahead goal with just over six minutes remaining in the third. Canucks lose in Philly against the Flyers, and this is Canucks Central postgame show on Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Satyar Shah with Bick Nazar. Get your thoughts into our Dunbar Lumber text inbox, 650-650. You can also grab a phone line, 604-280-0650. You're toll-free, 1-888-275-0650. We'll go to the phone boards coming up in just a minute, but Bick, uh, let's check out uh, the Dunbar Lumber text inbox before we do that. Are you sure you want to? Yes. I, I'm always <laughs> sure. Nothing scares me in the text Ooh, inbox. Oh, boy. It's a lot going in right now. Uh, very underwhelming performance. Very vanilla. I ask you guys, what the heck is this team's identity? It's a thing you and I have been talking about for two, three years now. It's such an like it's it's a buzzword, but it's such an important thing to figure out. What is your identity? Because yes. when, when things go pear-shaped... You got to figure out. Okay, this is who we are. We can get back to this. And the Canucks don't really have that, and it's something I've been harping on for, for that, multiple. They're seasons. They're showing that weakness again, too. Like no mental fortitude. The, you know, they they don't handle adversity well. They they can't bounce back when things start snowballing against them. It's the exact same stuff they were doing in the first twenty five games of last season. Or the truth is, their identity is goaltending and power play. Maybe it is. Maybe that is yeah. what it is. You know, and I said that last year. People got mad at me. It's like, oh, this. I'm like, well, what else is it? Mm-hmm. You know, and you hope that they would establish it this year, but that hasn't happened yet. Sean from Sullivan. Horvat looks scared to make a mistake. Not having a contract done is affecting his play. Uh, or Sorry, Hussein from Coquitlam. Uh, Horvat and Miller deserve all the heat they're getting right now. Inexcusable effort from the biggest part of the leadership group who preached the entire offseason talking about how this year's effort was going to be different. Uh, this one, uh, Frank and Coquitlam. Uh, lack of intensity and didn't come out ready to play. Huge disappointment. Bo was very vocal about a strong start, and he is showing very little on uh, this one. Uh, do you guys think the players are playing it too cool, especially on the power play? Their body language is so relaxed, and they make very lazy mistakes. Well, th- there is a level of arrogance to their play. Great word for it. You know, it's but it's like, w- what have you proven to be arrogant? You know, like you can be an arrogant player if you're if you have success. You know, and that's one of the things I've noticed from them on the power play, especially. You're not playing like it matters enough. You're playing mm-hmm. like, oh, yeah, we're really good at this. Well, we got this. No, I mean, Boudreaux sent a message sending OEL out there on the first unit for a bit. And towards the end of the second period, he had OEL and Hughes out there. The first 30 seconds of the, of the third period, he had OEL out instead of Hughes. 
He's sending a message. He took Kuzmenko off the first unit power play. I mean, the coach is clearly not happy. We're going to play the audio coming up in a second. But, you know, there's a level of arrogance on the power play for guys who haven't proven anything. Uh, this one, uh, I know it's early, but the fact this team preached effort in playoffs is funny. And Steven Vancouver, you guys are pure cliches. Identity is winning. Stop. <laughs> okay, but they a, the haven't. Dumbest, wait, wait, wait. They haven't won. <laughs> They didn't make the playoffs. You guys They're are saying, literally not winning. You guys are saying you, it's pure cliches. The biggest cliche is just saying it's just winning. Of course, it's it's winning is a big part of it. But how you play is part of your identity. And if you don't believe that, I mean, that's something the team itself talks about. What are we? What do we do well? Like, what is a single thing they do well as a team shift in and shift out? That's your identity. How do you play every shift and every every shift in and shift, shift out? That's what it is. That's not a cliche. That's a fact. Uh, this one, uh, it's an interesting one. And, and something I raised in the offseason as we're preparing for this season, uh, Christian and Richmond. Bradshaw leaves the Canucks. And, of course, his first go working from the blue line, he wins his first game with the Flyers. It's a classic Canucks loss. And Christian has, has texted it a few times just about Bradshaw and his, his influence uh, being missed for the Vancouver I, Canucks. I don't know. I mean, it's too early to talk about whether coaches sure. being or not being here. Or having a big issue, you know? I look at the players more than anything. Be more serious. Mm -hmm. Don't be so unserious. That's the biggest thing I want to see from them. All right, let's take a phone call uh, before we get to some reaction from the players and the coaches. Uh, Let's go to Lance in Mission. Lance, uh, thanks for holding on to your line. Uh, What do you got for us? Hey, boys. Thanks. It's actually really hard to sit on the phone for a long time and hold your thought. Um, I want to talk about Bo Horvat. My question to uh, Canucks fans and to you know, Canucks diehards like myself, is why do we empathize with this guy? What has he won? What has he done? Every season, we start slow. Every season, like we lost Travis Green last year because we sucked at the beginning. And he comes out this year, and he's terrible. Miller's terrible. Like the whole team is, is playing horribly lazy. Like they, 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 they're completely uninterested and it takes a coaching change every season to get these guys to motivate. We are not a playoff team and it frustrates me because we have all the talent on that team to be successful, but we don't have defense. So my point is trade Bo Horvat, get rid of him, get rid of Pearson and let's start over and let's build a contender because this is Jim Benning's team. It's not it's not Patrick Alvine and Jim Rutherford, the deal makers. That's my point. Thanks, boys. Uh, thanks for the phone call. That's Lance calling in. And you know, we we've been making this point for a while now, but the I, I gloves are a, off on Bull Horvat. Yeah, and I, I think it's an interesting way to uh, illustrate that of why is there the empathy? I think is the word he used. Uh, Ben for the doubt. And it's the question you and I have been raising for a couple of years now of what is the the, the buying point? Like, what is it? Because he wears a C? Is, is that what it is? And by the way, like there are so many real things about Bo Horvat that are very, very uh, positive. Yeah. Fantastic work in the community. Can, can shoulder the load of being the face of a franchise. Those are real tangible things. But the relationship between fans and players and teams is directly rooted to winning. And when you don't win, I care less about all the other stuff that 
is very important, like being good in the community and all that sort of stuff, but you still have to win hockey games. Yeah. There's a, a great phrase I heard over the summer from Mike Tomlin, P- uh, Pittsburgh Steelers head coach. Football's the game. The business is winning. You can apply that to hockey as well. You can apply it to the, every sport. Hockey's the game. The business is winning. Mm-hmm. And right now, business is not good for the Vancouver Canucks. No. And the people that are responsible for that have been, A, shipped out. Coaching staff have been removed. Now it's left to the players. And the focus has to go on the players. And someone who's been here a long time is the captain in Bo Horvat. That doesn't mean, hey, I'm not sitting here. Yeah, you got to trade it right now, like Lance was just suggesting. But that conversation is only going to intensify when business is not good. Well, and and when the same thing happens and everything else changes, but one thing stays constant or a few things stay constant, then those things staying constant are usually the issues. And I get so it. So we'll see. You've got jerseys. You've got your kids have posters, all that sort of stuff. And there's an easy attachment to make. But when the business isn't thriving, no. you have to look at different ways to go about it. Oh, man. All right. Uh, we are going to get back to more of your text messages and more of your thoughts on the phone boards. But let's go to uh, Canucks head coach Bruce Boudreau after another disappointing loss by the team. And here he is talking about what went wrong tonight. One for five and they score shorthanded goal. And there's the difference in the game. It's been both games now. It's special teams. I mean, it's uh, uh, if we don't shore that up, we're going to be in trouble. You had your fourth line out twice in the last five minutes. Is that indicative of how well they were playing or maybe how poorly some other offensive guys were playing? No, well, it was indicative of we, uh, A, they were playing good and they were creating a lot of havoc. But the second time I put them out was to give, because when you're going to have six men on the ice from all different lines, if I had had one of the lines out there, then and you don't get the timeout, you don't get the power play, then, I mean, it sort of screws up all the the six-on-five guys you had. So I knew they would go out there and do a good job for 30 seconds, and I asked them to do it, and then, you know, they drew a penalty, and that was it. The two shorthanded goals in, in Edmonton, you know, Peter kind of forced a pass into traffic mm-hmm. and Bo didn't handle it very well. Here, it was Miller. It was the second time Miller did that in this game. Do you need your top players just to be better? Is that bottom line? Uh, well, it is a, a straight bottom line. When your best players aren't your best players, then you're in trouble any night. And uh, I don't think uh, they've been our best players yet. JT hasn't gotten any bounces, but he says he's not playing very well. What's your feeling on how he's going for two games? Well, I mean, you know, I think he's making a good assessment. I think he's, you know, I don't know how many goals, but he's been on for about seven or eight goals right now against. So, I mean, but I know he's a great player. I know he's going to get better. Um, Just uh, he's having a little bit of a rough time right now. What's your approach to uh, a player like that who's maybe – Initially struggling, do you kind of leave them and, and, tr- and know that they're just going to bounce back? Do you talk to them? I've talked to him already, and I mean, he, look at he's a smart kid. He he, he knows that uh, you know. I mean, he hasn't been as well as he expects himself to be. So I mean, uh, I don't have to go up and tell him that. I mean, that's the that's the obvious. What we might have to do is shake the lines up a little bit because there doesn't seem to be getting a lot of production uh, in the in the lines that are being formed right now. You had some hardship last year, uh, you know, the, the COVID outbreak around mm-hmm. Christmas and then the injury rash in April. But was the team ever like this? What's this? Mean? Just people underperforming. 
bidding, losing battles? Well, I mean, <laughs> uh, you know, we're, we're talking about two games that uh, we've been tied in the last five minutes of the third period. Like, it's not like we're losing six to one each game. I mean, we had a bad first period, and I thought the last two periods we played a lot better. And, the, and in the Edmonton game, we had a great first two periods and played a bad third period. We're just not putting three periods together, and I think that's what you have to do. Um, so, I mean, that's, that's where, what we're looking at, getting back to doing that. If we can put three good periods together, we'll have success because when, when we do in the bits and pieces that are playing well, we're, we're doing a good job. But, I mean, it's no good if you don't do it for 60 minutes. Update on Pullman? I have none right now. Did he tweak something on his own Um I don't know. I mean, I know uh, um, they, just, they just came and told me Pullman's out for the day, so I haven't had a chance to talk to the doctor yet. It's not about his head or anything. I have no idea yet. That is Canucks head coach Bruce Boudreaux after a 3-2 loss in Philly against the Flyers. And uh, he talked about JT Miller, and he talked about their best players not being their best players yet. And he said, you know, he's sure he'll get better. He's going to be a lot better. But, you know, he's been on the ice for, what, seven or eight goals. And we're going to play JT's thoughts on that because he he didn't uh, mince any words on it as well. But what did you think of what the coach had to say postgame? Can't wait till we talk to IMAC and be like, hey, have you ever seen the team play like this? I wonder if if he throws it back. Like, play like this what? Uh, Yeah, I mean, there's... There's some elements there where he's trying to protect the team a little bit of, of, hey, we're tied five minutes to go in two games. But, yeah, he's, he's sending a message to the best players. You know, he is, right? And, I mean, he he's probably not going to, you know, tear a strip off of them in the media yet. It's only two games into the season. But you could see the on his face on the bench. You could see, you know, you could hear it in his voice as well. We well. could see it in the actions. You mentioned the OEL uh, inclusion on the power play with two D-men now after a shorthand you know goal that shows, in consecutive you know, games. To me, I look at it, I'm like, that shows I don't trust that you guys are going to be able to handle this moment. So I need some extra help here because if you guys let another moment go by, we're going to lose this game. That's what it seemed like to me. That's that's a coach saying, you know what, I don't, I don't trust you guys in the moment. Uh, this one, 650-650, James Davidson of Victoria. Guys, I, I, re- I recommend being patient with the team. They are competitive and will get better soon. These guys are hard on themselves already. Look, that's fine. Choose how you want a fan. I totally get that. And if, if you think they'll they'll sure. constantly be competitive, 100%. but they haven't necessarily shown competitive spirit. Go watch Calgary. Go watch Blake Coleman. Like this and watch game, him go through a wall. Like against Edmonton, they played they started the game off really well. They played a strong game and then they shot themselves in the foot and the power play cost them. Now, this game, they had a horrible start to the game. And they still found a way to be up to nothing and didn't capitalize on it. The two biggest things I was looking for this season, James, was consistency. And competitiveness. They were up three nothing and mm-hmm. checked out. They you were know, up two nothing here in, in a game where they were kind of got that lead against the run of play. Just because they're athletes and they have to compete does not mean they all compete equally. There are some teams across this league that go hard all of the time. Again, I, I reference Calgary. You watch them in, in a game against Columbus, whatever. They have a lot of players They're that go up. after it. Yeah. The Canucks, we have way too many conversations about culture, leadership, identity, effort, and people identity, whatever it that is. That comes all, all that is just rooted to compete level. It is a tough game. Don't get me wrong. Endurance is absolutely required. But that's what they're paid for. And when there's not enough of that consistently, you're going to have these conversations of, well, they keep dropping leads and they keep doing this and they're out of it by American Thanksgiving. 
it's tough reality. Yeah. But when this group doesn't compete, these are the results. Well, and, and you know what? It comes down to, to comp- competing, and also it comes down to a level of maturity with how you play, understanding the moment, game management, puck management at times, right? And, you know, somebody texts in and says, LOL, blaming Horvat. Yeah, he had a bad game. He will be better. But let's get real and talk about the defense, how, how we only have one real defenseman on our team. And, hey, listen, the flaws of this team are worth pointing out and talking about. But the flaws of this team personnel-wise, isn't the problem to start the season. It wasn't the problem. The defense isn't good enough. But last year's last year's 25-game stretch, which sunk the season, wasn't because the defense was bad. It wasn't. The reality was their best players weren't playing well. Their best players weren't firing. They weren't working hard enough. They weren't dedicated enough. They weren't doing enough things to win hockey games. And most of their best players are forwards. So when that was the common thing, these are the things we're talking about. I can accept the team may not be good enough. I can accept the team may have flaws, and they may still make the playoffs. But until they show a maturity and a ascension and a growth to being a team that's more serious game in and game out, that has a stronger, more consistent effort, it's fair to criticize them and ask where, they, where it's at. And so far this season, it's only two games, but it's more the same that we've seen in the past. And, we're, and it's fair to ask, when are you going to overcome this? Because you haven't done it yet. And... It's it's mostly this group too. I know there's you know six or seven changes, but it's Curtis Lazar, it's Dakota Joshua, it's uh, Riley Stillman, it's lower parts of the roster because Manko jumps in, Ily McKayev comes in. But the reason why there's so much focus on Miller, Horvat, and that group is because this is going on three, four, five, six yeah. years now for some of these players. That's why it's a fair conversation to have that one. There's also a good text here, 650-650. It's unsigned. That top line is too slow. Now, there is a, you know, a body missing in Ilya Mikheyev. He'll inject some speed to the Pedersen line, but I imagine this is about Pearson, Miller, Besser. I wonder if we see some changes coming soon here, Stat, that the, the machinations of this forward group haven't necessarily worked out. No, and, and yeah, and, and mixing those up, like Boudreaux mentioned, maybe that changes things a little bit. This text says they're a mediocre team. You have to look a little out of it, especially Horvat and Miller, but you can't get blood out of a stone. Again, I see bad hockey teams work hard. I see bad hockey teams be more consistent with their effort. It's not about being mediocre. I can accept you being mediocre, working hard, and losing games. I can accept that. I can accept you not being good enough on a given night and losing. That happens. It's hockey. You may not be good enough, but your effort needs to be consistent. And it's not consistent here. The habits are not consistent. All right, uh, let's go to go to the phone boards before we play some uh, more player audio. 604-280-0650 your toll-free, 1-888-275-0650. Let's go to Raj in Surrey, waiting patiently to get on. Raj, thanks for calling in. Uh, what do you have for us? Hey, guys, how are you? Um, I don't think we need to uh, blow up the team. Honestly, I think the team is pretty good. Yeah, we don't have the best defense and we need to do something about that down the line but i think the problem is um the parallels between game one and two are pretty uh obvious to me um they get scored on right before the third period ends when they have a lead so the momentum really shifts towards the team that's uh, uh coming back and then they get sloppy with like five or six minutes left like these are mistakes that you can't make especially giving up a shorthanded goal both times to get the game tied at the end of the period with like three, four minutes left this game and like change left in the last game. These are just not habits that are going to make you win. They played much better in the first game than the second. And also they got scored on in their last um, penalty. So basically they're taking too many penalties as well. These guys aren't the Oilers per se, but you take five, you get scored on. The special teams battle, they're losing it really badly. 
uh, that's about it. Yeah, thanks for the phone call, Raj. I mean, the the, the special teams thing has to change in a, in a massive way. Uh, let's get one more phone call in, and then uh, we'll come back with some more player audio. You're going to hear from JT Miller and Bo Horvat postgame. Uh, l- let's go to Jacob and Langley. Jacob, thanks for holding on. Uh, what do you have for us tonight? Yeah, no problem. I, I think the identity of this team is getting injured every year. <laughs> Maybe, I don't know, but... You know, here's here's the issue with this team, and and it's it's and this isn't this isn't having to do with just this game or even last game. But I know I don't want to be the third or fourth caller bringing up Bull Horvat, but this is like the defense is not good, but we have a Bull Horvat problem, and the Bull Horvat problem is that if we want to have a proper culture change, a proper balance of a roster, you can't go out and pay three centers making over $7 million, or even if they give Bo Horvat 6.5 for eight years, it's going to stick this team for the next five years in mediocrity. It cannot happen. Bo Horvat is a good player, but he's not a good player for us anymore. We need to change. We need to pivot, trade him. Let's move on and at least try to make things a little bit different because what's, what we're doing is exactly the same thing year after year after year. And honestly, guys, as a longtime diehard Canucks fan, it's exhausting. Thanks, guys. <laughs> hey, Jacob, thanks for the phone call. Uh, I mean, honestly, I'm still not sure where we are going to see a trade or anything. Like The management team's not going to all of a sudden react and make a trade today. But you've talked more about the the inflection point of when thing might things might come to a head, and you've said December. Yeah, I think December is kind of the date to look and at. And for all the people texting in, be like, hey, it's two games, you guys are way too reactionary, fans are jumping in. Think of, like, when December is then, okay? Just in your mind's eye, it's like 25 games in. So we're two games of 25 in to this inflection point that we're talking about of things yeah. might really get real, and you're going to re- reassess where you are because mm-hmm. that's what happens. Teams go through the 20 games and say, this was our preseason plan. Where are we now at the quarter mark of the season? That's about where you're going to find it and say, if the Horvat contract's not signed, what direction do we start to choose to go in? Well, and if you're not winning enough hockey games, then it becomes pretty clear, doesn't it? And it's, it's not about 82. It's about 20, 23, 25 games because this team's going to have to make a decision on that. Th- well, they're, they're going to have to now. There are a lot of uh, factors that come into that decision and mm-hmm. why it's not an easy one to make that trade, but that's a discussion for later. And uh, we'll get to more of your uh, comments coming into the text inbox, also on the phone boards. And we are going to hear from JT Miller and Bull Horvat as the Canuck Central Post Game Show rolls on. Satyar Shaw with Bick Nazar on Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Welcome back to the Kintec Footwear and Orthotics Canucks postgame show. This is where you talk Canucks on the official home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Comes back to, um, you know, harping on playing a full 60. And, um, you know, I thought that third period, we took it to him pretty good. And, um, again, it's just a, a funny bounce. So, um, see what we can do and... You know, I think in both games to start the year here, we've done some some good stuff and um, just try to keep keep building this team. That is Canucks netminder Thatcher Demko after a 3-2 loss in Philly against the Flyers. And this is the Canucks Central Post Game Show on Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Satyar Shaw with Bick Nazar. Keep those thoughts coming in to our Dunbar Lumber text inbox. 650-650. Man, so many takes flying in. I love it. Uh, a lot of fun, man. <laughs> They're All so right. varied, too. I, I Honestly, I wish we had time to read every single one. Yeah. Uh, 
<laughs> There's some really good ones. All right, uh, we'll get to get to some of those coming up in a little and, bit. Like no one is untouched right now in the inbox right now. The only person that's getting universal praise is Kyle Burrows. No, I don't. We're taking yeah. heat. Like even Beck and I are taking tons of heat. Uh, I got a whole paragraph dedicated. Josh Elliott Wolf is is catching strays in the inbox. I know everybody's getting everybody's getting it. I got a big paragraph coming in talking about how bad it, and it ends with sad. And exclamation mark, so you yeah. know that's never a good thing. All right, uh, before we get to some, some of these uh, responses uh, and we break down the game a bit more, we talked about the uh, two players who are wearing it the most tonight. Oh, JT Miller and Bull Horvat after the game. Bull Horvat's taking a lot of criticism. JT Miller, well, he's been on, been on the ice for eight goals against. All eight goals the Canucks have allowed so far. And, well, JT, here he is, starting in about how much responsibility should be taken right now. Uh, yeah, I mean, it sucks, but I don't really have the right to talk about the team at the moment. I mean, take this upon myself to be a better player. It's not playing to my standards, so I'm not going to comment on behalf of the team. Team's battling. You know, it's not going great for us finishing the games, but it's not like we had a good start today by any means. We just happened to be up to. The puck bounces on you there. You had the slip in the, on the first goal or second goal. I mean, you must be feeling very frustrated. I've been on for all eight goals. Pretty frustrated. So, is, I mean, is there a simple solution to the power play not giving up shorthanded goals? I know you're, you you attack it with an offensive <clears throat> mindset. But. Yeah, we're not finishing on our looks, so you know they're we're presenting chances for them to get, I guess. But worst case scenario is get, letting them get momentum off of our power play. So, that's all. How'd you bust out of this personally? We get to play almost every day at this job, so it's great. Don't worry about uh, the next game and. Not, not happy right now, but uh, nobody is, and uh, get a chance to do it in a couple of days. You know, nobody's good for 82 games, but for you personally, do you remember the last time you felt like you do right now as far as your game? I'm just disappointed. Because this isn't about I'm not trying to make this about me, but I'm not going to sit here and talk about how bad we played when I can't even lead by example right now. So I, um, I just wanted to have a better. I thought I could start yesterday, but just I feel like I'm a little irrelevant, and being on the ice for every goal is. I don't know what to say. JT Miller, after the loss in Philly tonight, and he talks about, you know, uh, it's hard for him to be critical of anybody else when he can't lead. He says all the right things. I actually kind of like that approach. It, it is, right? Yeah. No, it's a, it's the right approach. But the one thing, too, is I've heard JT Miller yeah. say the same speech with different words yeah. a lot of different times over the past year or two. So... I think it was framed a little bit differently. Hey, you, hey, you know what? I, I, as a sports radio host, that has yeah. to say the same thing in diff- with different framing. I, I do give him love for that. Like, hey, hey, I like how you're able to frame the same answer in different ways. JT's got a second career, man. He, he could, exactly. He can BS the same way we do. He's framing it well, but he's saying the exact same thing. And he said the same thing so many times last year, the year before. Yeah. And hey, it's you know what? It's the same thing we said about last game. They're saying the right things, but I don't care about, about saying the right things. Do the right things. That's what it's going to be about, and they've been great. I mean, hey, if we want to give out if we want to give out grades to Canucks post game availabilities the past couple <laughs> of years, boy, have they been great at saying the right things. Oh, that's good. Uh, this one, six fifty, six fifty. Uh, I don't have the right to talk about this right now. Hmm, not like a captain might. Uh, we'll play the Bo Horvat audio in just a second. Yes. Uh, Jeffro, if JT Miller struggles defensively and has a season like the bubble year, do you think the Canucks would consider trading him? Uh, I don't think so. I think the declaration has been made. 
uh, honestly. Okay, I'll say this. I, I don't think JT is going anywhere. But if if, it, if things go sideways enough, yeah, and if he plays body language the same, and and who who knows what that could also mean in terms of trade market. But regardless, let's just say in a vacuum, there is a world if things go bad enough that they can say, you know what, maybe we explore that. I'll say this: unlikely. If it happens, it would be. Like, I would have as much shock as I did when the Subban Weber trade happened, and the Hall Larson trade. It would be. Such a precedent-breaking trade to say we just locked this guy up, his contract hasn't kicked in, and we're going to make this move. I would be floored. I'm talking like less than 1% chance I think it's going to happen. Yes. I don't think it's going to happen. I'll entertain it because the world is unscripted, but I think it's very, very remote. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. um, I mean, I don't see it happening either. Uh, that's where I'm with. Now, uh, we mentioned what uh, JT Miller had to say uh, post-game about his game, and he talked about the eight goals that he has been on the ice for. Well, here is Bull Horvat talking about how they didn't take advantage of enough opportunities tonight. I think it's just, I mean, I don't have all the answers, but to me, it's, I think it's just a matter of bearing down and bearing it. Um, I think, well, last game, at least, and obviously this game I didn't think was as good as last game, but it's not like we're not getting our looks or not getting our shots. Um, it's just a matter of bearing down, hitting the net, and, and bearing on our loose opportunities. And right now, we're not doing that. How about the, the two shorties against those similar, and that yeah. both were passes through traffic? At the- yeah, I mean, obviously, those aren't acceptable. Um, th- those are on us, and those are big moments in the game where, um, you know, that's, that's their tying goal, and that both, both occasions. And for us, that's not good enough, especially the amount of skill we have on our unit and, and the amount of success we had last year. It's just not good enough right now. Getting two goals early the way you did, but that maybe lull you guys into a little bit of below what you needed to be? I mean, you know, I think, you know, we we can't just fall back into that every time. I think, you know, obviously it was it was good to have the lead, but I mean that's two leads we've given up in two games. And you know, I'd like to say, you know, that uh, we have to learn from that. I mean, we can't be giving up leads every single game. You know, we gotta find ways to to uh, you know, follow through on that and play a, a full 60 minutes and, and not let those leads slip from us because obviously that's been, been killing us the first two games. That is Bo Horvat after the game talking about the mistakes that have been killing them so far. And I mean, listen, we've broken down everything that's happened, everything that's gone wrong and all the problems and all the things they have to fix. And, and honestly, I mean, it's early in the season. They can win three in a row and all this stuff's going to look a lot different. That's all true. But given everything this team wants to overcome and all the things they talked about they wanted to do, I don't think they internally they're impressed with this start either. Like, we might be critical. Mm-hmm. I would wager that there are people in that organization that are more critical than we are on the radio about what's going on. Oh, for sure. And they haven't necessarily put their official stamp on this team quite yet. We had the caller earlier saying this is still Jim Banning's team. It absolutely is. When you think of who the the this regime has officially committed to, it's JT Miller because they've made that transaction. It's Ilya Mikheyev because there's some charm on that deal. But even like Kuzmenko, they bring him in, but he's a UFA in, it's a in, one, year in, in one year. It's a one-year flyer. Yeah. Um, they inherited Oliver Ekman Larson. They inherit uh, Quinn Hughes and Elias Pettersson. Two of those, those latter two, probably are, are going to be core staples. Uh, they inherit Brock Besser. They inherit Connor Garland. Th- this is going to take some time because of some of the 
uh, contracts that were left with them. Now they love the goaltender. Mm-hmm. They, they they won't stop talking about the goaltender. But internally, yeah, I imagine they're gonna be critical because this isn't necessarily the team that they have built. They probably wanted to move out some of the more of the money, and they leave it to the end of uh, the summer to move out Jason Dickinson at a cost too. But I imagine there's hope to eventually move out Tyler Myers and hopefully at some point move out Tanner Pearson to start eliminating some of the, I don't want to say dead money because that's harsh, but the, the inefficient money. But also the bigger thing too is uh, there's the, all that stuff that has to happen, but what's your assessment of the core? Because I don't think mm-hmm. outside of committing to JT Miller, they haven't really made an assessment on the core. Even the the Brock Vester one is a, it's a three-year deal and there was really no good trade market, so it was the best mm-hmm. choice that you could kind of make here. I think the assessment on the core is still very much ongoing. And when the biggest criticism they've had of the core is the habits, getting off to better starts, right? And, you know, hey, they had a good start against Edmonton. They lost the game, terrible start tonight. But they lost the game anyways. So the habits they want to see, they haven't been able to exhibit them yet. So I think that doesn't reflect necessarily on the coach. It might to some degree. But to the things we've been talking about before, we've seen coaches come and go. We've seen the core group stay for a few years now. The same things happen. At some point, you look at the core. So that assessment period is very much going to be ongoing over the next little while. We'll get to more of these text messages coming in, coming up in a few minutes. But I did want to spend a few minutes on a couple of positive things mm-hmm. or one, you know, I think noteworthy positive, especially with the injury to Tucker Pullman looming, which may not sound very good. He may be out in an extended period of time, if indeed it is. Anything to relate to, you know, an upper body slash head injury, if that's actually what's going on, and we'll see when we get more word on it. But he looks to be out for a little while at the very least. The biggest silver lining tonight, or this afternoon, I keep saying tonight, this afternoon, Cal Burroughs' play. Not just because he fought and got a goal. He legitimately, Bick, mm-hmm. had a strong game. And yes, you know, Batch made the joke and, you know, the old torts line. If he's your best player on a given night, it's probably not good for your team. But regardless of that, he was legitimately good yes. tonight. He, he was good independent of everyone else. This yeah. was not the bar sliding down and he made the best of a bad situation. Legitimately good. That was like a legit shot that beat Carter Hart. And I wish I had the MPH on that one to see just how hard it was. But, again, a really strong shot by Kyle Burroughs generates that goal. He had a nice play as well later on in the game. I think the third period, early third, where he's takes the puck, takes it behind the net, and tries to slide it out in front to Elias Pettersson. Gets yeah. a nice scoring chance. We know those high or low-high passes can create offense. It's difficult for the goalie. And threaded it through people, had some confidence on the puck, willing to skate with it a bit, and then got hustled back into position. It's not admiring your pass into a high-traffic area and say, I hope this works. It's get back into position. Those are details that really matter that amongst a, a crew of players that are not doing small or big details, Kyle Burroughs was. And then throw on top of the fight, not just, hey, stick up for a teammate, stick up for a teammate against Nick DeLaurier, yes. who you would throw into the heavyweight discussion. I don't even care at that stage if you lose the fight. You're willing to do it. You're willing yeah. to show that fight. I think that's part of the conversation, too, why so many people are texting in, calling in with Bo Horvat. Show some emotion. Yeah. Maybe it, I think people would just say, hey, take a charging penalty, roughing penalty. Do something. Do yeah. something. I don't even care. Show a level of emotion that is required for the landscape right now. Kyle Burroughs is doing that for you and doing it positively as well at the other end of the ice. That is a huge development so far. Look, it, it can be a short run. I remember there was a stretch of time we hyped up Jalen Chatfield and was like, hey, this guy's playing pretty good. Have you seen him play well in Carolina, though? Yeah. <laughs> but, like, 
we'll, we'll let the sample size play out a bit more. It's a yeah. bit more focused and pronounced right now because Tucker Pullman looks like he'll be out of the lineup for a bit. And so Kyle Burrows is going to get an elevated role. But that was a very, very encouraging, it was uh, encouraging. start to the season for Kyle Burrows. It really was. And considering that he had to play some elevated minutes uh, tonight and he had some tough matchup moments as well, he played well. And one of my criticisms of him last year when there was a lot of you know push for, hey, he should play more, he should play more, was, well, he's doing well in a third-pair role. But anytime he's forced to play more, he struggled. You know, But tonight he didn't struggle. Mm-hmm. Now, okay, the opposition's not exactly you know, the, sure. the, the powerhouse teams he's going to be facing. But nonetheless, it was a very strong performance from him. And you know what? If Pullman's out, you know, we were kind of talking during the game uh, and just kind of going back and forth with Pullman out, Rathbone slots in, but that means somebody's playing the right side. And, you know, how's this all going to shake out? And do you maybe put Hughes, you know, on the right side or OEL on the right side? And I think both of us kind of looked at each other and said, hey, why overthink it? Just slide Burroughs up with OEL. Mm-hmm. You have Hughes and Shen, and that's your top four. What you're losing mobility from Pullman to Burroughs, you probably gain in just natural composure yeah. about on the puck and just uh, steady reps right now. We've talked about Tucker Pullman coming back from his injury. You had to, at least for me, I was willing to extend a bit more of a runway to let him play himself through understanding contact all over again, trusting your body. Yeah, You don't have to do, deal with that with Kyle Burroughs. Um, he's ready to go and he's competing. Very hard right now. Uh, one of the only ones, uh, I think it's fair to say as well. No, I'd say so. I mean, out of the skaters tonight, I mean, it's not like nobody tried. I and mean, they had some good moments. But, but just, Colson was, I thought, I, I thought good. I, I know uh, David Jones, when we talked to him, kind of downplayed it. But, I, you know. I thought he had a strong game, too. Yeah. But he didn't play a ton. No. But that was also because of what happened in the first period with, with the uh, with the penalties and how that those guys don't It was, it was 13 shifts tonight. Yeah, not a lot. He didn't get a ton of opportunity. Uh, put Colson. And, and Garland got 15 shifts tonight. It's, right. It's just. It's not a lot for guys that when they short stints, it felt like they were going. Right. And if you look at overall uh, the amount of chances the Canucks created at even strength, not a ton. I mean, they were credited with nine high danger scoring chance shot attempts in this game. And Burroughs was on the ice for six of them. So it also shows you how good Cal Burroughs was, that he was on the ice for two-thirds of the Canucks' quality scoring chances at five-on-five. Five. And to Vasily Putkolzin, I mean, it seemed like when he was on the ice, though, Bick, he was still doing good things. And do you need to get to a point where you put him, you feature him in on not only power play two, but you feature him in on the PK because you can't let him just you know die on the bench like he did tonight because he's too valuable a player? Just I think it's getting to that point for me. Keep him involved in the play and... I, I know we talked about this in the pregame show. Uh, I think we have this from Boudreaux as well, talking about put Coles in earlier today. Um, look, he, he played on the PK in practice just to, to give him an opportunity. And, you know, Batch talked about how, you know, when you're practicing penalty kill or power play, you need someone to play on the penalty kill. So this is Boudreaux earlier, just talking about put Coles in down the road, maybe at some point being a penalty killer. Maybe not right now, but I mean, uh, he did a little bit last year. Um, Scott Walker liked him killing penalties. He saw him in the World Juniors doing that. And, and so it's it's something that's uh, when Pod starts feeling really good about his game that maybe you can add that to his repertoire. He works really hard. And he plays with good angles, good leverage, yeah. good positioning. And it's something I would like to see. I, I can understand why it didn't happen out of the gate. But to get more minutes, that this is absolutely something that you could see materialize come December, January, and thereafter. Yeah, and I still look at it, though, and I still think he does offer probably more 
defensive value than a guy like Pearson, even though he's, you know, a veteran, he knows how to play, but that lack of speed. And, and I thought, I thought Pearson had a couple of moments. He did draw that penalty and made a good defensive play, but he still looks a little sluggish as well. And when those guys look like that, and I understand the coach knows best probably in this situation, but it kind of seems like they could use some of his energy on the PK right now. Absolutely. And um, I, again, I, I still have the, the, the thought of JT Miller less uses on the, on the penalty kill ringing in my ears. And tonight it was two minutes and 49 seconds. Yeah, I mean, I'm with you. I mean, this text here says Podkolzin needs to play with PD. I mean, that's that's preaching to the choir. Both you and I have been, you know, reading, singing from that hymn book for a long time well, about wanting to have those guys together long term. Yeah, the, the, the line I really wanted to see, to, to be honest, the line I wanted to see be the shutdown line was Pedersen, Podkolzin, Mikheyev. That it's it's been Bo Horvath that's been tasked with yeah. the shutdown role, and and you see put Colson go on that line, and even in pre in training camp we saw Lazar feature on that line a bit, and so it looks like that's going to be the shutdown line. But I can understand putting Kuzmenko with Pedersen and saying, hey, you guys can go score goals. But they want it to be the offensive push. And at that stage, once you put Kuzmenko there, it's tough to put put Coles in there as well. Yeah, and that's why I mean they want to have Mikheyev there. And you know, one thing that Boudreaux mentioned yesterday was they want to get they're looking forward to get Mikheyev back because not only is it going to help having him back, but him being a communicator for Kuzmenko. The language thing, so you can't put Garland there either. So I think they want that for Kuzmenko. Yeah. And, and one of the things he mentioned, which I thought was interesting, was we need him there so he can translate what PD wants. Mm-hmm. You know, because I think sometimes it's tough for them to communicate about what they want to do. So if you have Mikheyev there, they can help out as well. But maybe the, a couple of positives, right? I mean, uh, Cal Burrows and Vasily Putkolzin. But, you know, outside of that, not a great performance from the Canucks. Losing this one 3-2 despite having a 2 nothing lead. A lot of uh, reaction on the text inbox, 650-650. West from Ladysmith was texting in a couple times and wrote a good long one about how frustrating it is to see this team do the same thing year in and year out. And also says the power play is stale PD has to hit the net. That's Western Lady Smith. I, I did think they missed the net a lot tonight, but that's something we talked pregame. The Flyers block a lot of shots. They get in shooting lanes and passing lanes a lot. It's going to be hard to get shots through, but you still have to find a way to get it on net more. Uh, it's something I actually I meant to check because we've been talking about this a lot. Uh, so 25 attempts missing the net this evening. Yeah. 30 on net, 25. It, it's... Very uh, scarily close numbers, once again. Uh, just to compare, the Flyers tonight, 31 uh, on net and 19 off net. Mm-hmm. The Canucks have been trending towards like nearly 50-50 on and off. Yeah. Got to improve. Got to improve. Uh, Mike from Surrey, unfinished business? They're not even in business. <laughs> I told A lot you. of jokes. I told, jokes. I told you early. Jokes for 60. <laughs> well, that, but I, I told you, man. Hockey's the game. Business is winning, yeah, and, and they are not doing it. Not right now. It, not. it feels like we're doing the same post game show from the other day. Uh, well, I mean, I pushed back more in the first game. I couldn't sure. today. I mean, what, what am I supposed to do? You know, Eric texted and he wasn't happy with her tone. I'm like, what? Am, what? I mean, like, listen. I, I even turned to you during the break. I'm like, it sounds like the same post game show we did, like beginning yeah. of you know many parts last year. The same things that we're talking about. It's, it's the same group of players. You Look, if, if there was a if, if we if they exhibit the same habits. The, the same tone is going to happen over and over again. It's like myself. If there was a post-game show of my life, you'd be like, really? You didn't work out again today? <laughs> again? You didn't do it? You didn't do it again today? Come on. Come on. Sammy. I'm texting in. I'm texting you. Work out today. I, I have terrible workout habits. Yeah. It's, it's what happens. Man, just, you know, it's it's the biggest thing. Just just make us change I'm like the JT. I'm, I'm mad at myself. And I've heard this speech from you so many times. 
I don't need to hear it again. I, I've told Sad so many times. Hey, tomorrow I'm going to work out. I'm like, yeah, and, yeah, And Sad, Sad's given up checking it up. I don't even ask anymore. Like, yeah. Oh, my God. I remember asking you, like, so how's it going? <laughs> Not anymore. You're like, I'm going to work out today. I'm like, yeah, sure. Uh, this one uh, it's not quite a bat signal Bick but you know it's maybe the next best best thing bring back Louie Texas oh, came in at least at least you can play right Louie Erickson it, it was it was a lot easier when it was an easy uh, target mm-hmm. of ridicule that everybody would you know throw their rage towards so I'm not going to entertain this but <laughs> just talking Sign about him as a free agent no no no, no, no. <laughs> but one of the things like we saw when, when Louie Erickson played um, he would get put with Bo Horvat a lot, and that was kind of the defensive winger. Yeah. We had the text earlier talking about um, the lines, the top line looking slow. You know, one of the things we've seen so often is Tanner Pearson with Bo Horvat. They have meshed together. If you're trying to do this defensive line, does it make sense to go put Colson, Pearson, Horvat, and put Garland up there with Miller? Give yourself a bit more speed. And if that line's going to be all offense anyways, just throw Garland on there as well. Um, I'm not against that at all. I mean, I'm at a point now, just because, I mean, to what Bruce mentioned, they've been trying to go with the same lines and same duos, and it's not doing anything. Like, you have to mix it up. And I think you do have to kind of load up the offense on one line. I think right now to be able to generate. I mean, mm-hmm. Kuzmenko and Pedersen have been, been able to generate offense, but Hoaglander's inability to finish those chances has been a big, big sore spot. Even tonight, I mean, Hoaglander had a couple of glorious chances, wasn't able to score again. Kuzmenko had a great one where he wasn't able to get it over Carter Hart's pad with a great pass from Pedersen. So they're getting opportunities, but you probably want a bit more finish there. And I think Hoaglander, as, for as hard as he works, he's not really contributing to a bottom line on that line, and that's a bit of a problem. Yeah, and... Again, one thing that's tough to judge, too, is how fast this team will be because you'd like to see them with Mikheyev in the lineup. How much will that inject into the lineup? So it's still an unfinished product of everything we've seen. Myers obviously hasn't been in the lineup, but injuries happen, man. Like, one person can come in. Are we assuming everyone's going to be healthy when Mikheyev's come back and Myers comes back? We've already seen Pullman go out. It's it's constantly going to be a rotating door here. Yeah, it will be, and that's one of the things that – We'll see if they can kind of get around. A lot of reactions coming in on the text inbox, 650-650. We'll try to get to some more of it. We'll see if we can take a phone call on the other side as well, 604-280-0650. And we are going to be joined by Ian McIntyre on the other side. And if we're wondering if the tone's going to substantially change with Ian McIntyre, given the question he put to uh, Bruce Boudreau during the media availability, which had Bruce kind of going back a little bit saying, what do you mean? And what, what my Mac was getting at was losing the way they're losing, playing the way they're playing. And um, I'm really curious to hear his thoughts about what he saw last night because he was kind of on your side about being less than impressed by what happened in game one. And he mentioned uh, Oliver Ekman Larson uh, suggesting, hey, we have to learn these lessons. This team has been in uh, lesson learning mode for some time. And... You hey you learn. That's why less- I think I'm being a bit harsher because at some point you have to apply the lesson. Hundred percent, hundred percent. And and listen, the first game of the season, I can talk about. Hey, things went pear shaped. You had a three goal lead. Things went wrong. It happens sometimes. I'm not too worried about one game. Let's see them how they perform the next game. Well, their performance in the next game was worse. Bad start, two nothing lead against a team that's not good, and you lost that game. You know, at least some people could point to the officiating and have somewhat of an argument after the first game. You can't really do that in this game. So. 
you know, I can't really sit on the other side and be like, you know what, it's fine. You know, these are things they have to do a lot better. We'll, we'll keep getting your reaction to the air, 604-280-0650 and 65650 on the Dunbar Lumber text inbox. Ian McIntyre is next. Satyar Shaw with Bik Nazar on the Canucks Central Post Game Show on Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. You're listening to the Kintech Footwear and Orthotics Canucks postgame show. Bringing you the most Canucks coverage in BC. Only on the official home of the Canucks. Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Got it to Quinn Hughes. Then ahead for Tanner Pearson and out to center for Brock Besser. Right side for Kyle Burroughs. Into the flyer zone. High shot. He scores! Kyle Burroughs with a bullet from the top of the right circle. And the Canucks are on the board. They lead 1-0, just 1.34 into the first. Canucks lose 3-2 in Philly against the Flyers. Almost said Edmonton. That was the other night. This is the Canucks Central Post Game Show on Sportsnet 650. Satyar Shaw with Bik Nazar. Keep getting your thoughts into our Dunbar Lumber Text inbox, 650-650. We'll go to the phone boards in a second. Gary holding on. We'll get to you here in a moment. Uh, we are going to have Ian McIntyre joining us coming up in a few minutes' time as well. And, you know, we heard from the players post game. We heard from the head coach post game, And, you know, it doesn't really get that much easier on this road trip. You could say that this Flyers game was one of the important ones to win because you have a back-to-back situation starting on Monday and Tuesday. And it's not an easy opponent you close off the road trip with. No. Uh, you're going to get Washington here. Uh, you're going to get Columbus coming up here, and then yeah, a, a team you're probably competing with for that wild card spot. Maybe they get a central spot, in Minnesota. Uh, but you know, teams that are in this more or less the big middle cluster, uh, it, it's it's not going to get easier here. This is the one that you probably looked at and say two points. And you know, this is something I brought up to you for the past couple of years. Uh, it's not just about getting to the point mark that you want, 97, 98 points. It's where are those points coming from? Can you capitalize on playing against? the lower teams mm-hmm. and try to get 70% of your points from there. Look, they're, they're going to play Philly twice this year. You'd probably want to get three points from those f- available four. They're now only going to get two. Well, they're in potentially, a sp- potentially. And they're in a spot now where they have to get results in all three games to come away with a 500 record for this road trip. And it's, it's like, why do you want to play this game of constantly having to chase? And Hey, it's the first road trip of the season, five games. And then the first five games will not make or break your season, but they do help set up your season or put you behind the eight ball in the season. And so far, not a good start for the Canucks after two games. Uh, we'll get to some more, more of your text messages, but let's go to the phone boards. Gary been holding on patiently. Gary, what you got for us tonight? Gary. All right. Too bad. We can't get Gary on. All right, uh, let's go to the text inbox instead. Uh, boys, we're going to be fine. However, 60 minutes of play is a preparation issue. We're scoring goals, and we could be 2-0. Uh, that is Scott B. texting in. Uh, this one says, I bet on the Nucks to win both games. Going to bet against them to see if luck changes. That's not Ooh. a bad way. You know what? It's a happiness hedge. Hey, al- alternate thinking. Yeah. That's Why required not? right now. Yeah. That's absolutely required right now. Yeah. Boudreaux must go. Just kidding. But, you know, people getting in on the jokes per 60. We talked about jokes per 60. Everyone wants to get, wants to get in on the it jokes. Might be a prevailing theme now on the postgame show. <laughs> yeah, it might be. Uh, this, this one, unsigned. Disappointed, but not surprised. Yes, Horvat has not been good, but you sign Besser to $6.5 million, Gets down on himself easily. Don't have a lot of faith in Pedersen either. They have no grit, no toughness. Not happy with this management team either so far. So... I mean, there's a bit of everything. You know, everybody's catching straights, like we said before. I, I, I like the disappointed but not surprised. Reminds <laughs> me of that Arrested Development scene. 
where Jace Maven takes the bag out of the the fridge. And he's like, I don't know what I expected. Yeah, it's it's very much like that right now. Yeah, I don't it, know what I expected. I'm not sure what I expected. Um, so Thatcher Demko through these first two games, Bick has allowed seven goals. But do we look at his game and have any concern? And we talked about the first, like maybe the his worst stretch was that first period, and he was kicking out rebounds, and he was never victimized in any of it. Yeah. And after that, he cleaned it up. Because uh, I, uh, I saw a couple texts about Demko, him struggling. I want to say he struggled. I think he was he was good. He made a bunch of saves. Uh, was he hasn't been in God mode? I guess. But you know, if you're relying on your goaltender to be in God mode to win games, that's the thing. It's like is is that's what required? Yeah. That Thatcher Demko has to play at a Vesna level every single night. To give yourself a chance. And by the way, so he's the one that gets, that gets critiqued on that, not the guys in front of him that are leaving him out to dry for yeah. all these chances. That's I think that's where the disconnect comes from when we talk about goaltending. Uh, is Why why are you letting your goalie be in that situation? How is he supposed to stop that Konechny goal? Yeah. Right? It's two guys, two D-men vacating space in the D-zone and just r- roaming when the puck is loose. They're not even going after the puck. They're just leaving their, their responsibility, and JT Miller has to sink back deep, and he mishandles the puck. There's, there's nothing he can do on that goal. Scott Lawton gets a breakaway on a low-percentage play. What are you supposed to do? Yeah, okay, you can make a save on a breakaway, but he deals with a lot of high-danger chances. Some of them are going to go through. This is professional hockey. Some of those guys are going to convert on high-danger chances. Mm-hmm. And the D'Angelo goal, we talked about the forward rotation there. Did they get in the way of, of his vision? And that one, kind of a seeing-eye single, finds its way into the net. It, it feels like it'd be very harsh to critique Thatcher Demko. Yeah, it would be. And I don't have any issues with his game overall. It does come down to how guys are playing in front of him more than anything else. And, you know, like, I, I see people, you know, like Scott talking about uh, the fragility of this team texting. And I know it's early to overreact, but does this speak to the fragility of this team that's carried over from last season? And I mean, I can't point to goaltending at all to be a problem here. But when I look at the fragility of the team, I think Scott is right in asking those questions. I think it would be disingenuous. I think I don't think I would be doing my job, nor you, if we would sit here and gloss over these first two games after everything we've seen the past couple of years from this core group of players and say, hey, you know what? Why are you overreacting early in the season? Don't, you know, it's only two games. Don't worry about it. It'll be fine. They'll figure things out. If 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 I had the trust in them, sure. I would say that. But how do you have the trust in somebody? They they earn your trust and they have to earn that trust. Yeah, and, and the other part is then if at if at game thirty three they're still haven't righted the ship, is it then I, I feel like it escalates so fast. For people that are like, hey, don't worry, don't worry, don't worry, don't worry. And then it just skyrockets into, trade everyone! What is happening? I'm giving out my season tickets. Like, that's what happens. Yeah. This is a gradual process. If you don't want to recognize what's happening right now, then don't escalate your emotion at game 38, at game 29, whatever it is, when it really starts to look bleak. The the habits to build towards where you want to go start in the regular season. Mm-hmm. And... Right now, they've had two blown leads. One against a division rival and one against a team that's expected to be 29th at yeah. best. And hey, uh, this is not something that we just point to the last couple of years. Remember uh, the 2019-2020 season before the pandemic hit? Remember that game in Pittsburgh? Right. The meltdown the game? The 8-6 game? The 8-6 game. They had a three-goal lead melted out in the third period. There were a few games that year. They had I'm, a few meltdown games. I'm glad you brought that game up. I forgot about that game because 
after that game, the day after, we were having this conversation about competitive spirit, compete level. The goal that always resonates with me in that game is the empty net goal by Evgeny Malkin. Mm-hmm. It's 7-6. There's three seconds left on the clock. It's a loose puck off of a face-off, I believe, in the neutral zone. And Malkin is balling out. Crashing off bodies on the ice and sweeps the puck into the net. That's 7-6, three seconds left in the offensive zone. And he's going all out to make it 8-6. When we talk about compete level, that's what I'm talking about. Yes. That's that's what's required. And if you want to talk about learning lessons and all this sort of stuff, there's the obvious lesson. There's a guy who's won multiple Stanley Cups. For me, one of the 100 greatest players of all time when he wasn't officially listed. Been up for all these accolades, yeah. con smites, all these things. In a game, I think it was in November, he is going all out for an empty net goal in the tail end of his career. That's what he's doing for an empty net goal. What are you doing to start the season off against Edmonton? What are you doing in, in, to start the season off against Philly with a lead? Why Why do we have, have these conversations? And it can't be reduced as simply to, well, elite players do elite things. This is We're talking about effort of mm-hmm. your career. You have to translate that into your play. No, I mean, and and that's those are the things that we're talking about here. And so when we're talking about trends and the they're losing games and finding ways to lose games, which in ways they've done for years. And we're bringing up examples from two years ago, the year they made the postseason, in the bubble year. And that was a common theme with that club. They talked about it a lot. You know, I remember remember we had Jay Beagle on one post game. They were losing, I think, a bunch of games in a row. And he had this he had this real magnificent speech about like, yeah, they're down on themselves. Yeah, they're playing poorly, but they gotta suck it up. They gotta overcome all these sort of things. And at times, okay, they look like they are, but they kind of revert back to the same types of habits, the same types of situations. And that's the biggest thing. And and that's why a lot of fans are saying, you know, and I think they're right, it's a common theme. It's not a hey. It's early in the season. This happens one-offs here and there. When you can, when you can, when you can have a thread that goes back to 2019 to now, and you see a lot of the same core guys, same type of issues happening. That's a theme. And when you start the season with with the same thing happening in back-to-back games, it's a problem. Uh, this one, uh, can you guys talk about Kuzmenko uh, today? So he didn't get a lot of work. Uh, I think 14 minutes. Um, he made a couple of nice plays. He made a cool pass to Niels Hoaglander in the neutral zone. Just kind of put it into space, put it off the wall, and let or let uh, Hoaglander skate into it. Yeah, I love that and, play. And they had a bit of a three-on-two chance. And he had a glorious did, scoring chance on Pedersen. And that's the one where you look at it and say, man, if that one went in, we talk about converting chances. If that one goes in, does it change the kind of the complexion of the game? Absolutely. Uh but so that would have been before the D'Angelo goal. Yeah. So it could have made it three nothing. You bury that one, it changes everything. But look, we have these conversations of missed chances, right? Well, we say that as if Philly didn't have their own missed chances. Thirty seconds of the game, they have a rebound chance. They try to convert one two, and Demko makes a save. Their goaltender is allowed to make good plays too. Yeah. And these things kind of tend to even out. But the Kuzmenko had a chance to certainly bury the game I, again. I thought it was a, another encouraging performance from him. Yeah, I think he's done about as much as you can expect from a guy playing his first two NHL games. The rest of the team, well, maybe not quite as much. All right, it's time to bring in the star of the post game show. The man does it all. TV, digital, radio, and he's here with us now. He's Ian McIntyre on the post game show. Do you think Bruce is thinking that? 
Uh, well, I mean, you know what? You you mentioned Bruce right off the bat. I mean, uh, we we heard your interaction with Bruce and your questions to Bruce. Ian, have you ever seen the team play like this? <laughs> no, not since he got here. Yeah, I have. Yeah. I have seen the team play like this quite a bit <laughs> uh, at various points of the last thirty years, but not often. I have to say, not often. Yeah, but certainly, certainly not since uh, Bruce got here. And that was my question to him because last year. You know, they, they did lose 25 games, but he always seemed to get everything uh, out of the players. Maybe I shouldn't even phrase it that way because, you know, if the Canucks are ever going to achieve this accountability in the culture they're talking about, we've got to get beyond the mindset that somehow this is the coach that has to get the players going because really it's the players who have to get themselves going. But we didn't see this last year in the in the five months five months four months under bruce we saw when they struggled it was because they had a a covid uh outbreak around christmas and they got they got uh canadian border serviced into some trouble uh and then towards the end of the season they had a rash of injuries and, and and basically just ran out of gas. They they had nothing left because they had run so hard for so long trying to catch up, and then they lost some some key pieces. We didn't see the team uh, killing its. I don't even want to use that word. We we don't we didn't see the team undermining itself. We saw the team always getting the most out of themselves. We didn't see their top players uh, struggling like they have in some situations because there's been a lot of positive stuff. Like there has, there has been some good stuff in these two games, but it's the bottom line is they led three nothing and two nothing on the road. Their power play got outscored by the opposition penalty killers, and they've gotten zero out of four points. And I want to make this point as well. Yes, four points represents two games out of 82. But how did the Canucks sink themselves last season? What did them in the season before? It was mm-hmm. the awful, the awful starts to the season. Now those those starts last year it went it went for what about seven weeks. I don't think it was quite that long, but it was lengthy. I think five or six weeks during the pandemic season uh, under Travis Green, and and you just can't catch up. So they're zero and two, and their five game road trip now gets harder, not easier. You know, Washington is they still they still have that Stanley Cup DNA left over even though they're not the team that they were, but it's, it's never been a a very uh, easy place for Vancouver or anybody to go in and win. And then they have Columbus on a back to back and Columbus is, is, you know, even without Tortorella, they're kind of a a template for that workmanlike team that just works and works and works. And you're never going to get anything for free in Columbus and then you finish against Minnesota, who's, you know, I've seen them as a, as some people's dark horse pick 
to to maybe go to a conference final this year. So things are getting harder. And if you start to look ahead and see what the Canucks have squandered, you know, this could become alarming in a hurry. And and I know probably a lot of people are going to make fun of us, you know, for talking like this two games into the season. But it's just, I think you have to look at the context of what's happened in the past, what how they're trying to avoid that happening again, and yet have not been very encouraging in the way that they've started. Yeah, I think it's a great point talking about the the coaching motivation and the internal motivation because that stuff wears off. Like the the coaching bounce that like it was nice eight games and then it extends because you win into you know thirty into fifty seven. But now you had an off season to cool off. This is about who they are. At what point do we have the conversation about like certain players on this team saying, okay, if this is who you are, this is now going multiple seasons. Do you give it six weeks? Do you give it two months? Do you give it three months? Like, is there a bigger conversation afoot that has to happen for uh, us, obviously, but certainly inside from Alvin and Rutherford, who, who very much made that point of, hey, the fifty seven games for get that yeah well i mean uh, i don't know if you're asking how long until until bruce boudreau might get fired i don't no I don't no I, i'm that, asking but... i'm asking like when we question like the players own personalities of, of how much they can get out of themselves well i think i think you let them do this road trip and you let them come home and they go out on the road again towards the end of october but uh, you know there's not there's not been a whole lot of turnover like that's one of the themes to this off season. They added some forwards. We haven't seen the benefit of that yet because Mikheyev has been hurt, but Kuzmenko, as you, as you pointed out, he's been one of their better players. Mm-hmm. And they added, they added some, some grit and, and heft to their, to their fourth line. And I thought, I thought that line was pretty good tonight. And Boudreaux had them out twice late in the game you probably heard his explanation the second time was basically to set up the the six who were going to play at the end with the net empty but it's for the most part you know the JT Miller signing caused us all to reflect and discuss and debate you know the merits of keeping the core together and and this new regime obviously believed in the core that they inherited or they wouldn't have done that contract still waiting to see if they sign Bo Horvat. And right now Bo has not been very good at all. And had said before the, the season that, you know, he couldn't, he couldn't allow his contract to be a distraction and he, you know, had to focus and, and, you know, Bo has uh, incredible integrity and character. Uh, and so it's not like he's not trying, but he doesn't, he doesn't look like himself right now Mm. so it's it's the same it's the same leaders on the team it's it's the same guys this this young core that they're still waiting to see and trying to 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 force a a next step and right now there has been a step but it but it's gone backwards so this is my very long-winded way as you and you guys know that that's my favorite way to answer things (laughs) but a very long-winded way to say they don't have six weeks yeah They don't have four weeks. You know, they got to they get going. 
Well, they really do. And, and you know what? It's what you mentioned. I mean, we, we actually took some heat in the text inbox for being too negative or too critical. And it's not even that we're saying the sky is falling, but we're very critical and disappointed with how the team is playing. Because, you know, right before you joined us, Bick and I were talking about this being a common theme. Like, them losing games like this isn't isn't just, oh, it's happened twice in the season. Now, relax. It's only two games in. This happened a lot last year. It happened the year before. And I even brought up an example Ian, about this same thing being an issue in 2019-2020. That game in Pittsburgh where they melted down. They had the game on home. I forget who they played. Where Jay Beagle had this inspiring speech post game about how they have to mature and overcome these sort of things. So when we see these trends, it's not just, hey, it's only two games this season. This is something that we've seen now for years play this core. Yeah, I I would I, I haven't looked at it in the detail that probably you have sat. Uh, I would... My, that's that wouldn't be my take on it. Like it, it, it's not that they've blown these two games, and boy, they've blown so many games over over the years. Because I think if we look back, there were a lot of lot of times last year they won games where they were consistently giving up the first goal and were coming back and getting points in the third period. I think they were they had a pretty good third period record last year. I, I look at it just uh, you know I mentioned the context. So what what has happened in the past? big picture with their starts what has happened in the past with their special teams that hurt them and then against this template you put these first two games and for me the two games the story is how did we how did we get here they're zero and two well it, it was always a possibility you know everybody can be zero and two anybody can be zero and two so there was always that possibility, but how did we get here specifically to Owen two, where your power play, which is supposed to be your greatest strength and was one of the best in the NHL last year under Boudreaux has been outscored by the penalty killers they're facing that they've given up two shorthanded goals in two games after surrendering only six all of last season. And that again, on the road, they had leads of three nothing and two nothing and got nothing. That's how they've gotten to zero and two, and in some, to me, that's a lot more concerning than if they're just you know playing hard and they don't get a bounce or the other team gets a great goaltending performance or what have you. I mean, teams, good teams lose all the time, but when you look at the way that they've lost these two games, that's. That's the disconcerting part. I'm, I'm trying not to use the word alarm because, you know, they could they could win in Washington and, and win again in Columbus, and it's two and two, and our converse we, we all look silly. But I just there's a lot of red flags right now. Let's put let's put it that way. And uh, when they've been talking so much about uh, Aldine and Rutherford and the players about culture, well, culture's not just trying harder, right? It, it's making the right plays. It's not making passes like Pedersen made and Miller made on the power plays. It led to these shorthanded goals. Um, that's not the culture of, of playing well and responsibly and safely and being difficult to play against. And, and I talked to Luke Shan after the game, and, and he echoed something that he said in, in the regular season where he thinks they need to be harder to play against. They need to be harder in front of their net. They need to be harder in front of the other team's net. They need to win more battles and, and they need to start to take ownership of this, you know, that this is about the players and the players have to be better. 
uh, Sat and I have used this analogy quite a bit, uh, just just talking about the, the manner in which the losses. But it's it, it, it's like a, an argument with your significant other. It, it's not what you said; it's the way you said it, and uh, it's it's not how they're or that they're losing; it's the way that they are losing. Uh, but let, but let's talk about a positive here, Ian. We always like to touch on one thing: uh, Kyle Burrows. Uh, we we've had that joke of oh, he was the best player on the ice relative to everyone else. But this was a legitimately good game from Kyle Burrows, independent of how a bunch of other players played. It was, but to, to uh, I liked your analogy very much about it's not what you said, but how you said it. But I have to say on the record, I can neither confirm nor deny that I've been involved in any type of conversation <laughs> like that. Um, I didn't mean you specifically, the, the universal you. Yeah, well, the, well, the universal <laughs> us know probably know all about it. Yes. But yeah, you know, Burroughs was good and, and that fourth line was good. Uh, I thought it was perplexing a little bit, you know, Connor Garland, who is always busy, like he always seems to be involved and he scored a goal that he played so little in this game. Uh, I think that line, you know, Horvat played a lot. He was over 20 minutes, but so much of that is special teams. But Pod Coles and, and Garland kind of got left behind because that line was poor at even strength at five on five. And uh, I would like to have seen them both play a little bit more. Uh, but the first line was, was, was just awful. You know, the Miller, Pearson and Besser. I had to do it, look twice to make sure that I hadn't misread their expected goals for, and you guys know me, I'm all about the analytics, but Massive, you know, yes. when, when, <laughs> when, you know, Besser and JT Miller have expected goals for of 6%, yeah, you know that means the other team when they're playing, the other line has a ninety-four percent chance of scoring a goal uh, versus six. And I know that's not exactly what that stat, uh, is. but it's a it's a reflection of where the puck is basically. It's a, it's a reflection of where the puck is and the quality of the chances and the shots that are occurring when those players are on the ice. That's supposed to be their best line, mm-hmm. you know, and and. You know, Besser, he missed all the preseason, so we get it. You know, he's trying to get going again. But, you know, JT Miller and Tanner Pearson is one of their their really experienced and, and veteran players, one of the quiet leaders on this team who usually just leads by example and goes out and plays well. You know, that that, that line was, was awful too. I don't know how I got off on this rant when you were trying to ask me something nice about Kyle Burroughs, who, who was – it was – it was good. I, I was happy to see him score. They were happy to see him score. But, I mean, what does that tell you in, in this game? That the goals were scored by Kyle Burrows and Connor Garland, who hardly saw the ice. Like, Garland was, what, 11 minutes in total. That includes the special teams time. Um what does that tell you about the rest of the group when those are your scorers? Yeah, well, I mean, I think that kind of nails it more than anything. And, you know, I, I thought Cal Burroughs was maybe the Canucks' best player tonight, but, you know, that's not necessarily a good thing for the Canucks when he is their best player, no matter how well he played. But, Ian, uh, hopefully when we talk to you on Monday after the game, we have uh, better things to talk about, maybe a Canucks victory to talk about, because at this stage, they now need results in the final three games of this road trip to come away with at least 500. So the pressure is yeah. on. Yeah, yeah, it's starting to feel and again i'm not saying we're there yet because it is only two games but i think it's starting to feel a little bit like the starts of the last couple of seasons which is 
which is troubling. But as I said before, who knows? Maybe they win in Washington, come back, win the next night. I'm trying to think of the road trip last year. I was in Washington, you know, where they, they had that really difficult trip amid their COVID outbreak. And they lost in uh, in Florida and Tampa and Carolina. And it looked like, man, this could be an O for a road trip. And then they won uh, Washington and Nashville, which you wouldn't have thought at that point. So maybe it will surprise us, but they got a lot of work to do. Yeah, they certainly do. And hopefully they do surprise us. I'd like nothing better than see the Canucks win and us talking about a successful team. So hopefully they, they flip that narrative really quickly. Ian, great stuff as always. We look forward to reading your latest on Sportsnet.ca. And we can't wait to hear, can't wait to hear you on the airwaves on Sportsnet 650 again this week. Well, I don't think I can avoid it, so yeah. you'll hear me. No, no, no choice. <laughs> All right, have a good night, guys. <laughs> Thanks, Ian. You're going to get home at a civilized hour tonight. Yeah, travel safe as well. Yeah, terrific. I, I know. I'll try to. All right, I'll do your best. To. See you, guys. Thanks, Ian. Uh, that's Ian McIntyre. Make sure to read his latest on sportsnet.ca. Well, that brings us to the end of our show. Uh, always fun catching up with Ian. But, hey, I mean, Ian didn't offer uh, – you know, much more positivity than what we have. Solitudes? If, well, if, if anything, he seemed a bit more concerning, like about red flags and how problematic he is. And, hey, this is a guy who's on the road with this team. He's all around this team a lot. He talks to people around this team a lot. Like, you know, Ian doesn't often say he's concerned about things early in the season unless he has a reason to be. And that's part of the reason. And I'm saying we're concerned because Ian's concerned, but the things we're seeing are somewhat alarming and that's the point that he's trying to make go back to last season's early seasons podcast uh myself and imac uh, had a lot of back and forth of me perhaps being a bit more of an alarmist and uh ian saying whoa, whoa let's let's slow down there's 80 games to go or there's 75 games to go there's 64 games to go uh yeah that uh should resonate uh, with fans that mm, should ian who's traditionally a very patient man yes is uh, wondering when the results are going to come. Can't blame them, Matt. Can't blame them, Matt. Uh, all right. Hopefully, it's as soon as this coming Wednesday. I mean, this coming Monday, Vic, because uh, I'd love to have a Canucks victory to talk about. Back-to-backs. Uh, we got the Capitals, 4 p.m. puck drop on Monday, Tuesday against the Blue Jackets. Also a 4 p.m. puck drop. Game pre-game gets going at 3. Vic and myself will be back on the post-game show on intermissions this week, so stay tuned for that. As always, you can also hear Vic on the People Show on Monday. You're doing your show on Monday, or is that going to be? Uh, no, I won't be on Monday. I'll, I'll, be, I'll be on the post. Give you no yeah, people the show. A post, but yeah, so uh, we'll, people show is off Monday and Tuesday. Canuck Central is on at 2 p.m. to 3, then pregame at 3 on Monday. So stay tuned for that. Thanks for everybody for staying and being part of the show and interacting with us. We can't do it without you. We appreciate it. And we talk about these. And we talk through things together. We look forward to doing that. Hopefully for good things coming up on Monday. Uh, for Josh Elliott Wolf, I'm Satyar Shah. He's Bick Nazar, and this is the Canuck Central Post Game Show on Sportsnet 650.